Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, welcome back. So, when you hear the word sermon, most of the time, people are thinking, or at least ideas are coming to the surface, of sitting painfully for 15 to 30 minutes, or an hour, depending on what tradition you're from, and hearing someone go on and on and on and on about something you may or may not be interested in. Which, that's not always what pops up. Hopefully, there's inspiration involved. But unfortunately, I think that predominantly the idea of being bored out of your skull comes up more often than not. It's been a thought process for me because I have a degree in communications and stuff and I've done communications for many years. Then I've tried to think to myself, what is the difference between a speech and a sermon? Speaking and preaching. What's the difference? And at first, I thought to myself, you know, it just really has more to do with the spiritual message, see? So, if someone is doing a sermon, they get a spiritual message, and that's the difference. But then, you know, you can have a speech with a spiritual message. So, here are some thoughts about what a sermon ought to be doing. And it's interesting because um, the sermon, I think, more than anything, has, has a few elements that are consistent. First thing is, and of course these are L.A.'s rules, quote-unquote, for sermonology. I believe a sermon, first of all, in its core, is persuasive. Now you're thinking, what does that mean? Okay, persuasive. Okay, I get that. But a lot of times we think of of, of uh, oral presentations, uh, speeches, as being either informative or persuasive. So if they're informative, they're only perform, you know, just giving you information. And if they're persuasive, then they're just maybe just trying to get you to believe something. But you know, I think the line between those two things are very is is a lot fuzzier than we like to think it is. And it works the same way for for sermons, okay? Because you can have an informative servant sermon over 
a passage where somebody's breaking down a book of the Bible for you, the passage, what it's talking about, the background, the culture, the history, the language, they do all that. But how they interpret it, the facts they bring out, the facts that they highlight, that's persuasion because that's that person's choice. Now, hopefully, that person is led by the Spirit of God in that process. But... If you got somebody, uh, if you got a pastor who's over overwrought with all kinds of things, and the cares of the world tend to wrap them around, you know, grab their throat. The temptation, a lot of times, is to run with a standard. Now, sermons. The reason I say persuasive is because even the information you choose is persuasive. Because a sermon is supposed to change something. A sermon is supposed to change something. And not the hands of the clock from one place to another, or the digital readout from one place to the other. Not just that. So, okay, so if we run with that, persuasive, yeah, it's supposed to change something. Change what? Change what? Well, I think there's several options. And a sermon, I believe, can change any number of these things or all of these things in any combination. I want to think about three main ones, even though there's a bunch more. The first thing is it should change your attitude about how you think about God in a positive way. It should encourage you to think about God differently in a positive way. Now, does that mean they need to go full bore Osteen on somebody and blow sunshine, you know, up their up their nose? No, not necessarily. Because even repentance is a positive thing, even though it's a negative start. Okay? A lot of times, the reason I say that is because sometimes we skip God's awesomeness, His holiness, and what that means, and what God is asking us to be and do. Because we belong to Him. Holiness means, and, and you know, comes from the same base as sanctification, being sanctified. If you're sanctified, that sounds like, oh, somebody's making you holy, you know, like you're glowing in the dark or something. But it means you're set apart. The thing about God is He is so set apart that the angels say He is holy, holy, holy. 
Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Completely set apart. Not detached, just beyond. That's that's important, that's huge. And something else that a sermon should do is change how we think in a positive way toward other people. A lot of people are hard to love. I mean, come on. You know it. And, uh, I mean, they can be people in your own family. can be hard to love and hard to see positive things. Now, a lot of people are thinking about, okay, smell, you know, serial killers. You know, what's so good about a serial killer? All right, all right. Well, I mean, if we're going full bore that direction, um, you know, hey, I'm glad they got caught. <laughs> and if they're not caught, I'm hoping they will be. And more damage isn't done. And possibly a demonstration of the justice of God's fixing to unfold. Possibly even the mercy of God. But it ought to change how we feel about other people. Not, and of course, that's an extreme case I just gave you. But, but I mean, just the people at the store. Where you buy your clothes, where you buy your food. Where you fill your car with fuel. People that interact with your kids. Interact with your boyfriend, girlfriend, everything. In a positive way. Because, by the way, thinking positively about people is a very Jewish thing to do. And that's not a bad thing. The other thing I believe that a sermon should should do is have us persuade us to think differently about our behavior in general. That's internal. We have to think about things we need to work on in a positive way. Not, oh man, I'm such an idiot. No, 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 no. Saying, oh yeah, I messed up here. I need to fix that. I've messed up here. I need to fix that. I need to, I need to, you know, I messed up here. And as crazy as lists are, if you're not a list taker, then that's fine. But but sometimes people have to write down things they're working on. Now, most people don't suggest you write down sins you're working on because you know that can get pretty embarrassing. Somebody find that thing. So what you do is kind of keep a a mental note or if you write it down, then destroy that baby. Something like that. But it's important because, look, if a sermon 
is persuasive, it should be doing something. If it had now, someone could argue. Well, yeah, no, I'm informing people, and the information is is what's changing them. Okay, no, I'm down with that. But still, it's never about just collecting Bible knowledge. It's never about doing that. The reason we study the Bible is so that the Holy Spirit can change us using the Bible. Not so we can just know a whole, whole lot. There's plenty of professors that know more Bible than we ever dreamed of and don't believe a word of it. And that's true. And, by the way, if you don't think Satan knows the Bible, you're mistaken. Because when he's tempting Jesus, he's quoting the Bible quite a bit. Wrongly. Because, remember, Satan's big deal is his favorite phrase from the very beginning was, Hath God said? You know, did God really say that? Are you sure he said that? I think I know better than you. I've been around ten, you know, thousands and thousands of years. I think I know better than you. In which cases we say, no, that's exactly what it says. And that's what Jesus said it says. So, you know, go but a stump. So, these are only three things, okay? And you could argue that... Um, how how it makes you feel about other people, you know, changing that and things and your behavior are all interrelated. And yes, they are. Make your own list. Because I, I want you to encourage your pastor to to have passion about that, about the persuasion of change. We have, it, it's got to be a persuasion of change. And the change is always supposed to be positive, even if it begins negative, like re repentance and getting sin out of our way. So with that in mind, I want to encourage you to keep on keeping on. And by the way... This is a season of Thanksgiving in the United States. So, let me just say, be thankful. Be thankful this week. Be thankful every week, but thank God. And thank God for you. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. If you would like to support this ministry, then please go to Patreon under L.A. Blackburn. May God bless every effort you make to do His will in His Word.